Hello there, welcome to MMA Fight Club. I'm your host, Manny Galarza. Today we're going to be doing a casual discussion about Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley Part 2 coming up this evening. Go over some of the numbers, give you a prediction, I guess. We'll talk a little bit about Deron Williams versus Frank Gore as well. So again, this will be more of a casual episode. I'm not going to take anything too serious. I've got my wine handy here, so if you're looking to crack open a fresh beer, nice cold one, or some wine, uh, join me. Join me. This should be a nice, exciting weekend in general. We've got UFC tonight kicking off, actually, at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern. So for most people in the States, that's not going to be tonight. That's going to be during the day. Got tons of college football. I'm actually glancing right now at Jackson State playing against South Carolina, which is an incredible. I'm not sure if you guys are aware. HBCU in general, uh, which is the historically black colleges of college football, have soared the last few years. Um, I guess in the backdrop of the whole, you know, Black Lives Matter movement, you've got some former NFL players who are now coaching um, some of these schools, like, for example, Deion Sanders is coaching at Jackson State, and you've got Eddie George. I forgot what school he's at, but uh, yeah, it's exciting to see what they're doing. Um, catching this game right now, they're losing 10 to 7 at halftime. But anyway, um, wait, anyway, actually, how can I mention that without mentioning that? Yes, Deion Sanders and Jackson State University flipped a number two, two, number two recruit, I think, in the whole country, number two recruit for college football who was supposed to go to Florida State, a corner, um, actually went ahead and changed his mind. He's going to Jackson State, and he left a really powerful statement about how he said um, he realizes or recognizes the power of going to historically black college and supporting historically black colleges and former athletes who went through historically black colleges, just the need to sort of you know, represent his people, I guess, putting it that way, uh, for lack of better words. So shout out to the Historically Black Colleges and Deion Sanders and what they're doing down there and trying to, like, you know, change the course of, of, of history a little bit, right? Change the course, not history of the future um, for all young black African-American people coming from all walks of life. Anyway, went off on a tangent with that. Probably that's the wine talking. But we're going to talk here about Woodley and Paul. Um, why don't we talk about Deron Williams versus Frank Gore first, okay? Because... That's the only other fight in the card I really want to talk about. There is another fight or two that's worth at least breaking down if you're a hardcore boxing fan, like Amanda Serrano, who's 41-1, um, the Puerto Rican you know, fighter. She's amazing, but I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to talk about the celebrity fights here. So Deron Williams versus Frank Gore. <clears throat> Some backdrop here on these two guys. Of course, Deron Williams, former NBA player, played most of his career in Utah, was a standout NBA player. I mean, multiple-time All-Star. Um, not sure if he made an Olympic team, but I think he might have been in the discussion Got injured towards the end of his career, went to Brooklyn, was part of that Kevin Garnett, um, uh, Paul Pierce group, and they had a lot of aspirations and high hopes and a lot of expectations and never really worked out. He, at that point, was sort of tapering out. I think he may have shipped, got shipped off to maybe one or two more teams before he actually retired. Anyway, um, the last time he laced up the shoes and actually played professional basketball was a little bit more distant than, for example, Frank Gore, who I think this is like his first year out of the league. I think Frank Gore was in the league last year. Frank Gore, former NFL player, known for his durability. I mean, heck, was in the league, you know, toting the rock as a running back up until, what, a year or so ago at the age of 36, 37, was respectable. Very well known as a high-character person, locker room guy, played for almost every damn team in the NFL, not because he was getting traded because he wasn't a good guy, but because he's just playing older running back position. They were bringing other guys in. Um, but the guy just very, very well-respected, very well-known, hard worker, um, he mentioned in the press conference that he took these eight weeks very serious, that he actually busted his ass. Um, and you can see in the way he talks, he's just a person who's very direct, seems like a very serious guy. I imagine he's not drinking too much or or dabbling in extra, extra curricular activities. He just seems like a guy who's no nonsense. And um, that'll matter here. A guy who's played his professional sport more recently, 
no offense, he played football, a little more contact, more combative than basketball for Deron Williams. Um, but in Deron Williams' case, I do have to mention, he was a former high school wrestler, okay? So he was a multi-sport athlete in high school, did wrestle, owned an MMA gym, longtime boxing fan. Um, I don't know if the boxing fan matters at all, but the point is he follows the sport. You know, it's not like he's just coming in here like, oh, I'm going to fight this guy. I have no idea about what this fighting thing is. So, you know, for Frank Gore, I think he brings that that bulldog toughness at 5'9". He's going to be a good four to five to six inches shorter. It depends on what measuring stick you're using. I don't think that he's actually 5'9". I would say Frank Gore looks more like he's 5'8". And so this is going to be a huge, you're talking about like seven to eight inches possibly in height disadvantage, which in some way may come to Frank Gore's benefit. If he can crowd the fight, get it in against the ropes type of thing, work the body, he's going to be right there at body height to be able to hit the run. Now, if he goes head hunting, he's going to be off balance. He's going to get himself into some trouble, I think. Durant's going to have the length. We're going to reach him. Now, this is a fight that's scheduled for... That's a good question. How many rounds? Yeah, I would imagine it's going to be like, I don't know, four or five rounds. It's not going to be anything that serious. Um, it doesn't say here, though. But anyway, um, I think Frank Gore wins the fight. I, I think if he doesn't pound Duran and knock him out, a la Nate Robinson. I mean, it's hard not to think about these basketball guys getting you know pummeled in the ring by Jake Paul. Jake Paul knocked the hell out of Nate Robinson. And now that's like burning in my head. So I'm thinking about, here we go, another, another NBA guy coming in here. Uh, played in New York as well, not necessarily for the Knicks, but he played in New York, um, 37 years old, um, going against a guy, Frank Gore, who just doesn't seem to be his age. He's just sort of a tank of a person, just maybe like a, a bit of a mutant. I think Frank Gore gets to him. I think he pushes a better pace. I think he's going to be the fresher boxer later in the fight and later in the rounds. Um, and if he doesn't win by some kind of a TKO, I think he just lands more, does more. Now, will Duran look good at moments from a distance? I hope so. I mean, he said he's a boxing fan, owns an MMA gym. Uh, going to have a hell of a length and reach, you know, so he should be able to do some of that. But is that going to really hurt Frank Gore? You know, a guy who's been taking hits to the head for fucking, I don't know, 25, 30 years between his college, high school, added up to, I don't know, 20 year NFL career. Um, this guy's like a battering ram. I'm sure he's going to be able to take a few punches from, from Deron Williams with gloves on. Um, so look, I just give Frank Gore the edge here. I think he wins this fight. Let's jump into Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley. You know, the numbers came out like minus two to one. So like minus 200 favorite for for Woodley. I mean, for Paul. For Paul, what am I saying? And I get that. I mean, he did win the first fight. Jake Paul is the hype. You know, the hype behind him. He's 4-0. Hell of a fan base. Tyron Woodley is technically 0-1-0 in boxing. Um, they don't include his MMA record in this. So it's just 0-1-0 in boxing. He did lose his last four MMA fights before he got cut by the UFC and before he started this venture. So now he's like 0-5 in his last five fights. Not great. Um, touch up upon some of the, I guess, drama. He did get a tattoo on his finger after the last fight. That was part of the agreement that if he wanted to fight Jake Paul again, he was supposed to get a tattoo somewhere in his body that says, I love Jake Paul or something like that. He did that. But then I think Jake Paul like reneged. Jake Paul was supposed to fight um, Tommy Fury in this fight. That was initially the, the fight, how, how it was set up to be. And that would have been great because Fury is 7-0 as a boxer. It would have been by far... His toughest opponent, but Tommy Fury had to back out through some kind of medical issues. I don't know what happened. So here we get Jake Paul going against Tyron Woodley again for the part two. I'm kind of looking forward to it from the standpoint that I really want Tyron Woodley to win. One, he's got to represent for all the MMA fighters out there. Two, he lost the first time. I think he's got like the blueprint. He knows he's got to throw more punches. He knows he's got to do more. He can't just sit back and wait and throw such low volume. Matter of fact, I mean, you can see some of the numbers there on the screen in terms of the you know general numbers in the, on the two fighters, but 
more specific numbers, if you're looking by round, it's like, come on, man. Woodley, you got to throw more than six punches. Okay, so for example, in round one, he threw six total punches and landed two. Like, that can't happen. That's not happening because he's not fresh, right? The fight just started. It's round one. Round two, he comes out. He's like, hold my beer. Look at this. I'm going to Now I'm going to throw eight punches, and I'm only going to land two. So over the, over the course of the first literally three rounds of the fight, my man Tyron Woodley landed eight total punches. When you're looking like that by round, that's just terrifying. Like, what is going on there? And the flip side, like if you go like to a round, like round three, for example, Jake Paul's landing eight of 21 total punches, 38% rate. Woodley on the flip side is landing four of 15, 26%. Neither guy's like lighting it up in terms of their output. But damn, Woodley, you can't win those rounds this way. And if you look at the judges' scorecards on, um, <clears throat> on this fight, yeah, I believe round one and two, all three judges had it for, um, for, uh, for Jake Paul. Now, round three, this one judge, Dana DiPaolo, he gave round three to Tyron Woodley. And we'll talk about that again, and we'll come back to this. So he's the only one who gave round three to Woodley. The other two judges gave round three to Jake Paul. So and you look at the numbers, like I just talked about the numbers, in round three, round three, Jake Paul lands, excuse me here, round three, Jake Paul lands eight of 21, and then Woodley lands 415, half. So yeah, of course, that round should have still gone to Jake Paul. So with all that said, the low output is terrifying. Now, it goes and actually increases towards the end of the fight. Like, for example, in the last round, Woodley throws 27 total punches. In round seven, he throws 31. Round six, 22. So some of his highest output rounds were the last three rounds of the fight, which means he had the gas tank. He had it in there, but he just wasn't doing enough early. And he lands nine of 31 punches in round seven, 11 of uh, 27 punches in round eight. Now, if you're just going strictly based on combu box numbers, Strictly based on copy box numbers. I would say you have to give Woodley round four. He landed seven of, seven of 25, and Jake Paul landed four of 19. And then round eight, he did 11 of 27, and Paul six of 28. Now, here is, in essence, the problem, though. These are such low numbers. Could could the judge miss, miss this by round, be off a little bit? So round four becomes a round where you want to look at that round and say, okay, could that have been the first round Woodley won? Looking at the judge's scorecards here, it looks like round four went to Woodley on every single judge's score card. That was the only round in the fight that every single judge said, Woodley's taking this round. Now, I'm going to think it's, that happened for two reasons. One, yes, he's got the better output. He does kind of catch you know Jake Paul a little off balance in that round. And so seven of 25, he wins the round. Okay. Now, moving on to the next few rounds here, when you're looking at the judge's scorecards, it's interesting. The middle judge here, Phil Rogers, okay, he gives every single round to Woodley from the fourth round on. So round four, five, six, seven, eight, that's all for Woodley. He's got Woodley winning the fight. Now, he's the only judge who had Woodley winning the fight because it was a split decision. The other two judges had Woodley winning round five for for Jamie, but round five, Dana did not give it to, to, to Woodley. And a matter of fact, so Dana DiPaolo, this is interesting. I mentioned that the, that's the only judge who gave third round to Woodley, which shouldn't have gone because, again, based upon computed box numbers, he had half as many strikes landed as Jake Paul. But in any case, uh, the ref did give that round to Woodley. The ref would then, I mean the ref, the, the judge, the judge would then go on to give round four as well to Woodley, but then would go on to give no more rounds at all to Woodley for the rest of the fight. So that judge right there, Dana DiPaolo, gave round three and four to Woodley, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Round three, Woodley lost that round. And I've already discussed how round eight clearly should have gone to Woodley. But yet, for some reason, that judge did not that judge did not give that round to Woodley. So that judge only gave two of the of the uh, eight rounds to Woodley. 
again, the middle judge, Phil Rogers, gave four round on to um, to Woodley, and then the uh, the last judge would be uh, Jamie. Now, Jamie gave the last round to Woodley, the fourth and the fifth round to Woodley, but gave eight and nine. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, eight and nine, sixth and sixth and seventh round to Jake Paul. And when you look at the judges' score, I mean the uh, actual copy box numbers there for those rounds. In round six and seven, let's talk about those rounds. Total punches landed for those rounds. Jake Paul landed 15, which was the most he landed in any round of the entire fight. He landed 15 of 37, 40% rate, pretty high output. Woodley responded by landing 12 of 29. So you can see how any human being might give that round to either fighter. And again, again in the case of the, the scorecards here, you kind of see that, right? Because, yeah, round six, for example, one of the judges did give it to him. The other two judges did not. You know, it's just kind of close, man. And that was the problem here for either fighter. If they were looking to get a dominant decision, they weren't doing enough at times. Jake Paul was doing more, but they were landing such a similar amount. Now, it's round six. This is interesting. Round six. So for the judge who gave <laughs> Woodley round six, I'm like looking at the scorecard. I got to take a double take here. Yeah, round six. Phil Rogers must have just been having a drink at this point because Phil Rogers gives round six to Woodley. If you're not looking at the copy box numbers right now, you can search them online. They're available everywhere, you know, in terms of the actual specific round. But I'm looking at the numbers right here in front of me. In round six, my man Woodley landed five strikes out of 22. 22% rate. Five. Paul landed 11. Not like he was lighting it up again, but still, he landed more than double the strikes. But yet, in that round, Rogers gave that round to Woodley. The next round, Woodley lands nine strikes. Paul lands 313. So again, you can see it's close. And then final round, Woodley's doing a lot more. He's finally realizing, I'm going to lose this fight. I got to do something, whatever. Go out on my shield, push the pace. So that's enough talking about just those numbers. Now, here's my overall feeling right now on where I'm at with Woodley. I think Woodley is at a point right now where, you know, it's not that he's done. Like, he's he's in here still... He's making money, right? He's out here doing his thing. He's no longer in the mixed martial arts game, which is probably a little more brutal than this like celebrity boxing thing. But like, where do we go from here? Is Tyron Woodley ever going to fight anyone ever again after this in any way, shape, or form? Like, I'm talking, would it be a celebrity match? Something lower level, maybe? Like, he doesn't get this fight again. Well, that's not true. Maybe if he beats Jake Paul, then he does come back and does get in the shot. And I just, I, I kind of question, where does he go from here? About to be 40 years old. Like, you know, what, what are we doing here? Lost his last four MMA fights. Got finished in two of those fights. Lost this fight against this guy. And I think the first time around, I was pretty sure he was going to win. I had a little money on, on Willie thinking, oh, man, he'll do this, man. He'll, he'll beat him up. He's a former mixed martial artist, former champion. Like, he's got this, you know. So kind of didn't play out that way. What it looked to me like was the last version of, of Woodley when you saw him in the octagon where he was slow, he wasn't pursuing, wasn't pushing pace. Like he was giving up a lot of time. The kind of fighter where like if a round or two goes by and it's close and nothing significant has happened, some fighters are like, you know, oh shit, I gotta do something. Other fighters like Woodley are like, it's cool. Like I'm, I'm relaxed. I'm just, you know, I'm here guys. Everyone's okay. And it's like, well, you gotta do more than that here because you can't be throwing four or five, you know, punches landed per round. So, um, Anyway, my overall feeling is that what ends up, what should happen, what should happen is that Jake Paul will circle and move and, and be athletic enough and land some punches. He probably never hurts Woodley, but just looks better at it. You know, crowd likes it. This fight's in Tampa. The first fight was in Cleveland. You know, I'm sure you got a ton of Jake Paul fans who are just going to be all over the place. I heard, this is really cracked me up. Most of my audience is probably, you know, late 20s. 30s maybe even 40s so this wouldn't apply to you guys but i've heard that the jake paul like entourage fan base 
they will schedule like house parties tonight. Like this is a popular night tonight where you're going to have teens, college people, whatever, scheduling a house party with the main event being Jake Paul's fight. I'm just like, it's hilarious. I'm like, well, catering to a whole new base, bringing a whole new base of people into fighting and possibly mixed martial arts and boxing, whatever. Yeah, cheers to you, Jake Paul. Like people could say what they want about the guy. I mean, I'm 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 often left in awe when I, I see what this guy's doing. And I should also mention, and it's also important to mention, when the fight fell through with Tommy Fury, Jake Paul, whether it was just clever wisdom on his part, good PR wisdom, or whether it was just sincere, either way, it was brilliant. He said, Yeah, I'm not gonna cancel this event. People are depending upon it. The undercard fighters are depending upon it. So yeah, I'm willing to rebook with, you know, whomever. Woodley obviously it worked out. But I felt that was like class move. It shows you beneath all that stuff. You peel back the onion. You got yourself a real a real mensch, as they would say in the Jewish community. A real mensch, you know, a good guy. So um yeah, I hope the good guy though comes up short because I would like to see a part three and I keep the drama going a little bit. I don't know. For Woodley, get to see him fight another day. I like Woodley. Um he's got a, a rapping career that he's trying to pursue. I don't think I've ever heard one of his songs. And I think the reason why I haven't done it is because I do have some level of like sliver of hope that he's still going to win a ring. I mean, win a, win a fight. And, and I like the guy. I don't have anything against him, but I feel like if I hear him rap, I'm going to be like, Oh no. And I've heard mixed reviews on it and it's nothing that's hitting the mainstream. So anyway, um, what happens here is he probably gets circled and just doesn't do enough too slow. Doesn't like, I mean, you know, the one thing about mixed martial arts, if you want to go grab somebody, you can, you can fucking go grab somebody. You can go up there, body lock, do something, crump them up, you know, do whatever it takes. Can't really do that here. Like you could hug him a little bit, you boxing gloves on. Like he can't force this to be like in the middle of the cage or octagon. Like it would have been when he's fighting MMA fight. He's got to surrender to the fact that he's going to have to circle at times. He's going to have to go ahead and like try to, you know, get into positions, use his feet, you know, move around. Because the one thing about Jake Paul is he's damn very athletic. This kid got a size advantage you could see it when they line up for their for their face-offs you saw it in the first fight one thing about jake paul like i think all the the, the bs about how oh he's just a celebrity youtuber like he has no boxing like this 4-0 thing i know it's against some whatever talent but he's actually really training you could see it he's actually doing some things in the ring that don't make it look like he's just completely some kid like in his garage like i'm gonna go fight tomorrow like he's putting some time into this um and for him there's that question of like where does he go from here some have asked him, like, would you fight a mixed martial arts fight? You know, would, you know, just, you know, what would you do next? What would you do? And I, I don't think he ever actually gets into a cage. That's just such a different type of thing that, you know, years of grappling and wrestling and, and kickboxing and, you know, the kickboxing, no, just that whole thing, right? Muay Thai, all that. It's like so much that he would have to do. I think he like tempted the uh, report the other day by saying yeah, he would consider it. But I, listen, at the end of the day, he's not going to do that. Stay in the celebrity boxing game. He's got a niche. Um, he's got a bunch of people right here who like him. He's setting up these events. He's kind of bringing boxing back in its own little way from this little celebrity standpoint. So, and I hope he stays with that, but I don't know what's next for him. Maybe the Tommy Fury fight comes back around. Someone will talk some shit. I'm sure he'll find somebody, some retired football player, NBA player, um, some mixed martial artist who's getting cut and on a losing streak like Tyron Woodley. So I like Woodley to win the fight. I don't think I'm going to wager on it all. If I had to pick a prop here, I see the fight goes to decision. Like, so if you pick one fighter to win, whichever fighter you think that is, if it's going to be, uh, for example, Jake Paul, take Jake Paul by decision. If your book doesn't offer it, then yeah, you're kind of screwed. I don't see it on DraftKings. That's my main book I use. I'm going to double check FanDuel a little bit later. The last time I saw the odds, it was like minus 215, minus 224, Jake Paul. 
makes sense. I mean, probably even that's actually decent because I, I do think he beats Woodley, you know, three three times or so out of four. Um, it's just the Woodley style doesn't help on the scorecards, you know, the lack of output. Um, I wonder after the fight, did the judges see those, you know, their scorecards and leave the fight and see the actual copy box numbers and then actually compare their notes and realize, yeah, you know, they were they were right. They gave the fight to the right fighter. But in, in terms of like certain rounds, like that round six and seven situation where it's like those rounds, all, all three judges should have had those rounds for, for um, Jake Paul. They didn't. So, you know, um, we'll see what happens here. Tyron Woodley has to come out and be a different guy. Like, can he do that at the age of like almost 40? Can he come out and be a whole different fighter? High output, energetic, like in and out. Like, I mean, this boxing thing is not really his thing. I should probably remind everyone. He's an MMA fighter that was doing that for like ever. And prior to that, I believe he had a background in wrestling, like as a, you know, amateur or at high school, whatever. So like boxing was like the last, you know, the last frontier for these kind of guys, right? So um, never been an amazing boxer. You put him in here with a guy, Jake Paul, who that's all he's kind of working on. And he's pretty good at it. And he's got the length. Um, he's sharper, younger, like a lot younger, like almost 15 years younger than Woodley. So um, am I right on that? Let me make sure I'm right on that. 15 years younger. <clears throat> Tyron Woodley is 39 years old. Yes, to the 24-year-old uh, Jake Paul. Though Jake Paul's about to be 25 um, in less than a month. So I think Jake Paul wins the fight, but my heart wants Woodley to win. That's my feelings on this. If you got any thoughts, please comment below. Let me know what you're thinking. If you're listening to this on the podcast, you can't comment below. But uh, thank you for stopping by and listening with me as we discuss this Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley Part 2 fight. Um, if you don't have any wine handy, get some wine if you're over 21, of course. I always like to make sure I give that disclaimer. Um, actually, let me, you know, I'm going to keep this going for a second here. I want to talk about the prizes we're going to be giving away over the holidays. We gave away four Amazon gift cards yesterday, and that was for the UFC Vegas 45 breakdown video. That was a really simple prize giveaway. I'm going to do something similar, but I also want to up it a little bit. Give away a $200 Amazon gift card. We're going to make it pretty simple. It'll be based upon watching, <clears throat> excuse me, one of our upcoming videos. Um, we'll make sure we announce it. We'll announce it on Twitter. We'll announce it in the video. We'll announce it in the, you know, uh, the comment section. But it'll be something simple that in, you know encourages you as a listener to come by like comment spread we're trying to grow the channel that's pretty much it right that's that's the goal here as many subscribers as we can get as many views as we can get the better that's the goal uh, we don't have a monetary goal i want to make sure i'm clear on that so we're not really trying to package anything um, even though we do provide some some capping information and mma advice you know i see this as a growing channel as a multimedia channel and not really as a, as a chance to um, create a revenue stream through customers now i've even thought about for example doing things like um, you know, hosting some more private videos, like for example, you know, using an, another outside source or tool for that. But honestly, I'm not sure I want to do that either. Like, so like a Patreon account, I like the Patreon stuff. There's some guys who use that and they do a great job with it. For example, like MMA Lawton, um, it's, it's worth the content. Those guys provide a lot of content guys like James Lynch, you know, so not sure that's the Avenue we're going to go. Um, got some upcoming interviews. How did I forget to talk about this now? Like it's God's just, whew, let me tell you, uh, I don't want to drop names because I feel like that's like bad juju like you tell him i'm gonna interview i'm just gonna throw out a name let's say i was gonna be like i'm gonna interview jake paul next week i'm not interviewing jake paul next week i'm just saying if i was gonna say i'm gonna interview jake paul next week and then all of a sudden like jake paul's like, i can't do it and then i'm like ah oh, i have to come back i'm here and tell my listeners sorry we're not getting jake paul but i am getting a few guys who fought recently in the ufc um what makes this unique is they actually fought each other um it was a pretty exciting finish and uh, i was able to get a hold of both guys 
uh, which is something I'm, I'm working on now, working these channels as a very new up-and-coming MMA podcaster or YouTuber or whatever you call this stuff that we do here. Um, it's all new to me. So like how to write the letters, how to approach them, <clears throat> excuse me, who to approach. Um, obviously there's some do's and don'ts, but whatever I've been doing has worked a little bit recently and I'm looking forward to sitting down talking over Zoom. This will be a Zoom situation here because both these fighters are not anywhere near my area, but looking forward to it. One of those interviews I'll be doing tomorrow. I'll probably have the interview up Monday, Tuesday of the upcoming week. Um, but anyway, if you like the interviews, come on back, leave comments. How do I get better at this thing here? Um, what are the better questions to ask? Um, I definitely want to do something with that where I can somehow get some dialogue going with the listeners here about the questions that they really want to ask. A matter of fact, let me put that out right now. If you're listening to this and you're you know new to the channel or you just want to write some comments here to this video, what questions would you want me to ask to a current MMA fighter? It's, it's going to be two guys who just fought recently. Uh, one guy got knocked out <laughs> and one guy got the knockout. It was early first round type of situation. So um, what are the questions you think would be appropriate? What kind of things would you like to know? I have general questions I'm already thinking about asking. And those are general ones. You know, I obviously will not ask questions that are disrespectful. I do not ever want to put fighters in a situation they're uncomfortable with. And uh, when and whenever I can, I try to provide the questions, the full list of questions to the fighters in advance, along with giving them a general idea of what I would like to talk about, or I'm sorry, I would like them to talk about because they're the one being interviewed. Um, and that's the goal, right? You don't want these fighters not feeling comfortable. You don't want them feeling like they're, you know, they're going to be having to talk about personal things that maybe they would not feel comfortable talking about on camera. So anyway, with that said, got a list of questions, about 15, 20 minute interview at the most. I'm going to get these guys on. Um, I've got a handful of them. I'm set up here throughout the holidays, which <clears throat> is nice with us not having UFC events the next few weeks after UFC 45, Vegas 45. I'm thinking, why not, you know, use the time to get the interviews going. Um, I just bought some new equipment. I got some new gear. So, you know, whenever you get new gear, you're like, yay. I did my first interview with Eric Purcell back from back a month or so ago at uh, NPR Endurance, the coach of uh, Patrick Sabatini, who's another fighter I need to sit down with. But uh, I had to use the old school microphone. Like I was like a weatherman out there, like. Hello, like going back and forth and like, you know, you do what you got to do, right? You know, you got to use the elbow grease. It came out okay. The interview was solid. But the point is, um, I got some new equipment. So now I got the little clip-on microphone deals where I could put that onto my, you know, uh, my interviewer. If I'm doing face-to-face -face interviews, I could have my own clip on, be a little more natural, allows us to walk and talk. It's remote-based uh, system. So looking forward to breaking that new equipment out when I sit down with some fighters here in the new year. Um, and that'll be part of the new addition here. Um, we do want to get back to doing our Sunday podcast called Caged Animals, which if you have listened to that, we did what, only two or three episodes. It just became so time consuming, but that's more or less covering uh, fighters, fighter, you know, personal fighter, you know, I guess demons outside the octagon or, or issues with fighters outside the octagon. Not always bad per se. Sometimes it's like just terrible stories like uh, like Favake, uh, the guy who got killed in just a random you know, uh, you know, attack in the street who was a teammate of um, Israel Asanya um, out there in New Zealand. He was just hit. He was attacked by some kids who were just playing this game, this, that game of knockout, and he actually killed the guy. Anyway, so we're going to get back to doing those on Sundays. We want to do at least, you know, two to three fighter interviews a month, um, get their input on upcoming fights. We'll get some also some coaches up on here. So also not just mixed martial arts coaches, but like lo local high school coaches, local college coaches who coach wrestling. Um, just get feedback about what it's like, the whole training process, weight cutting, yawn, and on and on. So that's the plans here as we're closing out 2021. I think what I'm going to do after tonight, because tonight's going to be UFC Vegas 45, as the night closes out, 
I'm going to still be up and running. My son has a wrestling tournament today. My wife is out of town. She's in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Shout out to Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. And actually, shout out to Seth Tobin, one of my best buds who's down in Maryland. He just bought me my newest Pop Funko. Um, you can't see him as well as I can because I'm in the room with him. But right here is Muhammad Ali. So got Muhammad Ali. He just showed up um, in the mail. The Amazon guy came and dropped him. And those damn Pop Funkos are so cute. I know I'm a grown man, but they are the damn cutest thing. I've got a handful of guys up there. You can't tell, but the guys you would know are like Daniel Cormier, John Jones. You got Conor McGregor down there. Uh, you got The Rock over there. <laughs> He's got like the little um, eyebrow. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin's up there. Run DMC. Shout out to Run DMC for all the 80s babies. You got the bear up there, UCLA uh, bear. Wayne Gretzky. Can you see Wayne down there with the nice flowing blonde hair? Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, with that said, those are plans coming up here for the new year. Um, I'm going to jump on tonight. That's what I was saying, right? Lost my train of thought. I'm going to jump on back tonight after UFC 45's over. And then maybe what I'll do is, depends upon the time situation there, maybe I'll jump on after Woodley fight as well. Just do a little post-fight recap. Uh, toast to the people that won. I'm expecting a nice night here for UFC Vegas 45. Um, if you're betting on the Woodley fight, though, like I said, consider by decision. Or maybe if the fight just goes a distance, that prop might be available and you might get a decent, like minus 150 to minus 200 on that, I would imagine. Or bet Jake Paul. I think Jake Paul edges him out here. He just, you know, the problem child, man. Is, and look, <clears throat> if you believe in setups and you believe like, oh, it's it's fixed, the fix would be in for Jake Paul to win this fight. He wasn't even supposed to fight Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley's getting the, you know, call up here. Come back up here. Get beat up. Get your paycheck. Oh, pay-wise, how did I, I mention this? They're both making $2 million for this fight. That's like kind of their base. And then from there, they'll collect a little bit of extra commission on the pay-per-view. So nice payday for both fighters. We'll see what happens. And if Tyron Woodley knocks out Jake Paul, Jake Paul has just put in the contract, a change a few days ago, that if Tyron Woodley knocks out Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley gets an additional $500,000, 500K for knocking out Jake Paul. It's almost like they put down the clause just because like that would never happen. Anyway, that's the breakdown, guys. Merry Christmas if I don't talk to you soon. Happy New Year, and we'll be back on here soon. Take care.